Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you on a journey into the crucible for a weekly or fortnightly celebration of all things Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of Discovery and how exciting that is. I am somehow perplexingly still your host, Zach Armstrong, and I am joined by co-host Ed. Ed, how are you today? I am very, very well. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for asking. Oh, of course. I always like to make sure you're okay over there, Ed, before we, you know, start to interview somebody. Big old ocean. (laughs) And that somebody that we have today is not just anybody, but indeed Kate, a.k.a. Muffins, back for her second episode. Somehow she decided to rejoin us. And thank you so much for that, Kate. Welcome back. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. We we are so excited to have you on our deck discovery episode where we take somebody who we were was on the podcast uh just last week and talk with them about a deck that is special, unique to them, uh a deck they've been on a journey with, or really is just unique and interesting. And Kate has brought one of those decks for us today, and we have a little bit of extra favoritism to throw her way because she has taken this on the Epic Quest slash CD-ROM journey we talked about a few months ago here on the podcast. So Kate, without further ado and without much ado at all, what is the name of this deck and why have you brought it on the show? Are you asking the name of this deck, Zach, because it looks almost impossible to uh, pronounce? (laughs) (laughs) This is Kate's first test. Pronounce the name (laughs) of the deck you brought. Starter for 10. Uh, The deck is called Kavushaloi, Spawn of Aerodent. Uh, I typically call this deck Kavush because Kavushaloi is ridiculous. Um, And I've brought it because uh, I did the uh, CD-ROM process um, that you guys came up with uh, on this deck uh, and took it to the UK Grand Championships. Well, that's fantastic. Wow. How, uh, how did that go? Was it, was it a lot of fun? Did you feel like the experience, the, the racked up plays with the deck really helped you there? So, yeah, I, I really think the process was incredibly valuable and really helped me understand the ins and out of the deck before I went and played it in a, a competitive setting that I hadn't been at that level before. Even outside of all of the Keyforge, the biggest surprise I had taking a deck to an event where the competition level is that high, it was just the nerves. I felt sick the entire time, and that had a massive psychological effect on me that I hadn't anticipated. So I think like doing this, um, this process and really hammering out exactly how I was going to play the deck really benefited me when I wasn't in a particularly um, stable state, shall we say. 
Oh, of yeah. course. Those big tournaments really can be quite nerve-wracking, can't can't they? And uh, they they hit you, they hit you as you walk into the uh, the event room. So, yeah, before we dive into the story of the deck itself, we must thank you, Kate, for for your role in really helping us pull together the the CD-ROM category and and worksheet or fun sheet is it should probably be better described uh, so this is for, for for the uninitiated so far this is essentially a, a sheet where you can kind of track your progress of taking a deck through an epic quest and the epic quest being the approach where you get to know your deck really really well inside and out you go through things with your deck as if it were sort of a trend going on a going on and an epic quest with you you can you can see our episode back a few down down if you scroll down far enough but um yes so so thank you for pulling this together with us uh kate and what what was it that really drew you to this deck and made this deck the perfect candidate for your cd-rom epic quest i think that immediately when i got the deck i i saw that it appealed to like my play style and my preferences um as a key forge player so i actually got it in a sale <laughs> so my local game store uh traveling man in leeds had all of their call of the archons decks 60 percent off uh made the decks about three pound 50 each or something Ooh, like wow. that so i bought all of them it was 15 decks <laughs> so I, I went through and i opened them all and this was one of two decks that really stood out to me kota weird kind of rush deck uh, it's got Mars in it, and I really love Mars decks. I like the way that it plays and combos itself together. It's got Time Traveler in it, and I really wanted my own Time Traveler deck. I hadn't had one before. And um, the thing that I didn't notice initially about it that took me a few reps to realize was a big aspect of the deck is that it's got nine disc creatures and a rise. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um i looked at it initially and was like yeah this looks good uh but it did take me uh, a few kind of repetitions with it to kind of understand okay um this is how the deck plays um this is how i'm gonna make the best use out of it as all good decks do yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely um the cd-rom worksheet especially um was really useful my kind of professional background is that i work on a kind of leadership development training project uh, and one of the things that's really important with making progress in that sort of development is self-reflection and looking at what you did and thinking about it and figuring out ways that you can improve in future so the idea that you'd have a uh, a process where you'd think about how you play the Keyforge deck and the ways in which you played it and how you're going to improve it. I instantly went worksheet, <laughs> basically, because that's what I, I did at work. So yeah. I just hacked something together based on the sort of things that are typical for these self-reflective worksheets. Um, and it, it seems to have worked really well. I, I got a lot out of doing it. The having the worksheet has really made the process easier for me and uh, hacked it together, uh, Kate being very self-deprecating uh, <laughs> there, uh, dear listener. Uh, this is a lovely, a lovely worksheet. All, all we did was just uh, slap together some ideas around the fact that 
when you play a Keyforge deck, you get better at it. And then <laughs> literally, it was, you could probably fairly measure the time in hours between releasing that episode and then Kate posting this to the Discord where she had actually codified it into a worksheet. And I, I have to say, it was a bit of a thrill to see to see this worksheet come together and has honestly been the, having a worksheet has been one of the biggest motivators to actually stay on this epic quest with this cd rom thing so so kate this is this thank you for putting this together and i'm glad you've got use out of it and i've certainly got a lot of use out of it as well yeah and there's been aspects of that worksheet actually that i didn't think were going to be really impactful but actually were so there's the um the memorization aspect so um i did this in the run-up to the event and there's just at the bottom of the sheet i think um yeah there's like a, a format where you put the date that you did it, you write out the three houses, there's 12 slots for cards, and you write out all the cards. So I did it a few days apart and uh, recorded how many cards I got right. And actually, when I got into the tournament, uh, I was counting cards in my discard pile, trying to figure out what was left in my deck and what I was going to draw when if I played a time traveler. So it, it actually ended up being really important to my play, and it's something I'd never done before, haven't really done since. Um, but was really valuable. Oh, that, I can't tell you how happy and excited that makes me that you, well, you did it and then you found it, you found it really valuable in competitive play. That's awesome. I do, for uh, the listeners who may have not listened to that episode or don't remember our silly little acronym, uh, I do want to uh, just say what each letter is real quick for them here. Uh, so it's the five letters, CD-ROM, C-D-R-O-M for competition, taking it to competitive play at least a few times, discussion, talking about it, uh, talking about the experience with some people. Coming on Call of Discovery does count for that part. Uh, repetition, just playing it a bunch, of course. Observation, having people watch you play it, you know, people who you trust and you like. <laughs> and then memorization, the last one there. And uh, I, I have been drilling myself, even when I'm not playing this deck often in the last maybe six weeks or so, I have been drilling myself on a notepad with what cards are in my CD-ROM deck keepers, the strong chin. And it's been an awful lot of fun to uh, to memorize 36 cards. Yes, and, and Kate, I see with your most recent recent count, you've memorized 33 of the 36 cards, which is exceedingly impressive. It helps when the deck has a lot of doubles, mm. like this deck. <laughs> um, that was the... <laughs> I think that was the weekend before the Grand Championship. So uh, it was um, a while ago. So that'll be the 1st of February. Yeah, yeah. So quite recent in terms of real physical tournament play, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is true. This is true. big event that I went to. So you, you talked about discovering that Arise move late in the game with the nine creatures or just, you know, realizing how big and impactful that can be when you pull it off. What other, what other uh, lessons have you learned with this deck i'm seeing a lot of archive which is important choices i'm seeing strange gizmo a favorite card of mine that uh, i often play at the wrong time uh goodness shatterstorm man there's just so so much you could discover with this deck what, what kind of other lessons have you learned with it so uh one of the things i hadn't thought about before but started doing with this deck is that you can snudge your own creatures so snudge when you reap it when you reap it allows you to return a flank creature to its owner's hand and i hadn't considered returning a creature to my own hand which had a play effect before i was using it to uh return a shula to my hand so i can play it twice to steal two amber in a turn instead of one uh, to return a terror to my hands to get an additional two amber 
that was a, a play I hadn't thought about until I started doing this process. Yeah, that's a really powerful effect. And I imagine something that you can you can do as and when, or even even if you you haven't got the most out of a charrette and then you're able to play it out and capture the full three amber and maybe take your opponent off a key, that's, that's immensely valuable. But having that combo of just being able to archive and arise when you when you get it maybe you get it early on in that game and it looks like a a pretty critical part of your setup here what really makes this deck tick then is it the arise that really digs things in or is how does mars play in with everything yeah there's kind of two lines of play you can do with it so the logos is there with all the archive and that uh is a kind of support house so um, you're playing it to get through your deck faster, to get the other pieces that you need. Uh, I found that the two ways you could go about it was focus on the Arise setup with all the disc creatures, or you could uh, sustain a Mars board and just pick Mars. I think one of the biggest plays that I had was if you have a, a John Smith, who, when you reap it, allows you to ready a non-agent Mars creature, which is basically any Mars creature apart from John Smith. You can use Zizix the Many uh, twice in one turn. Zizix the Many is definitely my favourite card, like just in Keyforge. So Zizix the Many, fight Reap, reveal a creature from your hand. If you do, archive it and then put three power tokens onto Zizix the Many. So if you're using Zizix the Many and you keep attacking creatures that are on average, free power or below, you can just keep attacking. And it acts as a really kind of effective board control. And at the same time, you're archiving your hand to cycle it. So you're putting away all of the uh, disc creatures that you need for later on. Um, and I did that a few times during the tournament. At one point, someone used a key abduction purely to return my Mars board to my hand because <laughs> it was getting out of hand. Wow. Um, that's the two ways you can go about it. I think one of the biggest parts of the disc combo is that there's two Tourette's, which capture three amber each, and a Shula, which steals one amber if the opponent has four or more. So if your opponent is on seven amber, you can do the full combo where you steal an amber with Snudge, capture six amber with the two Tourette's, and then play out both Terrors and gain four amber. Oh. Oh, that's gross. Kate, I, I don't think it should be released on the internet because that sounds like a crime. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is pretty bad. Um, when I was uh, playing on stream uh, at the Grand Championships, I swapped decks with the person I was playing with and he did it to me and I was like, oh no, I've been doing this to people. This is horrible. Hoisted by your own petard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the, the two ways you can really go about it. I think the, the only kind of thing that I need to be concerned about with this deck is that there's anti-synergy between help from future self and arise. Interesting. So if you uh, don't use arise before you shuffle your discard pile into your deck with help from future self, uh, you have vastly reduced the efficiency of your deck strangely enough. So uh, there's a lot of kind of thinking around, okay, is this the right time to use help from future self? Do I want to hold out? and uh, save it for when I have more disc creatures so I can actually do that move. That's fascinating because Time Traveller in some ways could be the the most eye-catching aspect of this deck. Certainly if someone was kind of looking at this 
in that first instance, let's say it was a, an adaptive best of one. As you said just now, Kate, uh, you know, you might not at first first look see that there are indeed nine disc creatures that could be could be worked on with the arise. So you might sort of rethink that your reliance is on that time traveler combo. It's very, very interesting. An- another fascinating thing for me is that you've described Zizix the Many as one of your, if not your favorite Keyforge card. And for myself, I have to admit this is a card that I have completely overlooked in Keyforge in general. So having you kind of describe why it can be something something more than than maybe my my tiny keyforge brain could fathom is probably why we really love the discovery of this game are there any other cards in this deck that are, are kind of real crowd stoppers but but surprising crowd stoppers so i always appreciate knee for spider uh, i like knee for spider in any deck it's mainly a stall uh, because there's nothing in there that has taunts that can protect it. Um, but it does kind of, it gives you a turn or two to set up everything else that you need to. I like that there's, um, that you can use the John Smith with the Zizix or the Grabber Jammer um, if you want to stall out a little bit more. Uh, Shatterstorm is there. Um, I like to refer to it as my panic button. Yes, yes. Very uh, so if anything's going really, really wrong, um, I think in the top 32, I Shatterstormed someone to make them lose 16 amber. Wow. Uh, <laughs> which was some kind of record. Um, he was not happy. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really useful because the chances are the the creature count in this deck is so high that my board setup is going to reap out faster um, than the other person can regain their amber. Mm, sure, sure. Shatterstorm just comes across as one of those most undervalued ga- cards in the game. It's, I mean, in that first set, it can be such a valuable and efficient way of taking your opponent's racing deck uh, off its gas, just getting rid of it completely, getting rid of all of its momentum. Yeah, I think if I was looking at it, I'd look at it and say, this is a best of Kota uh, top hits list. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's what I call. Now that's Kota. what I call. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're keeping that in. <laughs> oh, mm. so uh, Kate, do you find yourself playing that strange gizmo most of the time, or discarding it? Uh, usually, I play it actually because you're looking at that awry setup, and you're doing it mostly for the play effects. So often it's more valuable for you to wipe the board to get the arise up than um, let your opponent kind of get out the way, maintain their board. Wow, I hadn't even thought of that. That's brilliant. Yeah, especially when you've got the two terrors and the charrettes uh, and the ember imp as well. Getting a lockout with the ember imp is really really good but yeah I, I think i play it like at the very least it's an ember pip wow that is uh honestly that is probably the most clear strategy i've heard of for a strange gizmo in a deck i have a few of it and it's always it's it's always a brain burner to decide whether or not to play it and then maybe a third of the time that i play it it bites me in the butt harder than it bites my opponent <laughs> so that's that's awesome that it has such a clear role in this deck that's so fun you're trying to cycle through this deck as quickly as you can anyway. Like it's, it's speed is ridiculous. So even if you wipe your own board, it 
isn't such a big deal because you're going to get through those creatures and replace it anyway. Kate, even the greatest of Archons has a nemesis. So if you were to select a nemesis for this this deck, what would what would that be? What weaknesses does this deck have? Is there a kryptonite? The issue with this deck is that aside from Strange Gizmo and Snudge, there isn't a lot of artifact control. Mm. And just in general, it does better on its speed than it does on circumventing anyone's plans. So I found that decks that had really strong combo play um, or decks with really high-powered creatures. So um, I think I was looking at the Grand Championships and there were two decks that I knew were going to be there because I know the Manchester people reasonably well. (laughs) Um, that I knew if I was going to come across them, I would probably lose. Uh, one of them is a Jenka deck, uh, so Martian Generosity Key Abduction. Uh, and the other is a really, really strange Primus Unguist deck. Oh, wow. So the board control in this deck is really light. It's basically just the strange gizmo. So if I was going to come across a big Saurian board, that was going to be a problem because I would be able to take out the creatures. And I guess this segues quite neatly for us into talking about those experiences that you had at the UK Grand Championship. I'm sure our American listeners will be will be very envious because uh, we, we had the, the Grand Championship as recently as March. And I, I think it's been a number of months since they've they've had one. So remind us what the format was, Kate. And then, uh, yeah, what were your experiences? Did you come across any of these nasty decks that you didn't want to see? Uh, so the format was three deck Archon Survival. And then in day two, it cut to uh, best of one with whatever deck you finished day one on. I found, I, I thought going in that the uh, lineups were going to be quite quota heavy. And I was, I was mostly right. And I was fortunate that I didn't really run into anything that gave me a massive amount of problems. There was much less uh, Infernus combo decks than I anticipated there was going to be, uh, which would have been a massive problem for this deck because it relies so much on its recursion. Mm. I ran into a couple of Jenka decks, but one of the uh, matchups went so poorly for the person running the Jenka deck uh, that he used Key Abduction to bounce my Mars board, as I said earlier. Oh, no. uh, so it, it wasn't a problem. Um, <laughs> the game that I played on stream actually was against that um, Primus Unguist deck and it managed to go really, really well for me somehow. It's it's recorded, so you can watch it. But the deck that I lost to was the deck that won the tournament. And I think it was a, a Kota Rush deck with really high steel. Oh, gosh. Uh, it was like a really, really efficient Kota Rush deck. So, you know, based on the fact that they won the event, I didn't feel particularly hard done no, by losing no, to no, it. No, that's an accolade. Overall, the preparation on the CD-ROM worksheet and the conclusions that I came to going through that process and working through that sheet really prepared me well for the matchups that I saw at the event. And I kind of knew what I was doing with the deck when I got into the matchups what I was looking out for, cards that were going to be problematic that I needed to look for. Um, And it it really did prepare me well for that event. 
Yes, that's one of the things I love about Keyforge. Like we mentioned on the last episode, with you just two unique decks coming together, that matchup is going to be something completely new. And so preparing for matchups in Keyforge, you can never just memorize a matchup. You can be ready for Artifact Control. You can be ready for Primus Ungus and Senator Brockus, and you can be ready for Coda Rush. But those decks are going to have different tools in each of them just because none of the two decks are the same. So it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, uh, a very large hill to climb to actually get familiar with as many different situations as possible uh, yeah. with decks. And yeah, it sounds like you've gotten to a good place of confidence with, <laughs> with this one. Well, maybe I had been at that time, but lockdown might have uh, <laughs> dulled the edge a bit. Um, but it is a case of you're looking for... Um, specific cards that are going to cause you problems uh, and how they are affected by what's in your opponent's deck, how likely they are to occur, and then the changing probabilities of them occurring as they move through their deck. So it's a lot of different things to assess, even in an Archon lineup, uh, which is probably why I'm so bad at uh, adaptive, just because it's an extra thing to pile on top. Um, But um, I think that, you know, going through the process, even playing on the Crucible online, looking at the opponent's deck lists and uh, saying, OK, key cards in this matchup are da, da, da. Uh, and then watching how the opponent uses them, whether they're in the discard pile and how likely they are to be pulled um, is a really important skill for competitive play. Mm. How did that tournament go for you overall? Did you did you hit day two? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, so I managed to get a round one bye uh, on day two because I'd performed so oh, well. Oh, gosh. Uh, and uh, then I uh, went to top eight and I got beaten by the overall winner in top eight. Congratulations. Thank you. That's, uh, that's quite an achievement at a, a grand championship, which tends to be a bit more competitive than Voltors even. So wow mm-hmm. oh yeah it was crazy the the level of competition mm. like everyone came to play uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. which you might not necessarily be able to say at a vault tour yeah. where you might get right. casual players coming in i know that the vault tour that i went to in eindhoven i taught a friends to play the game a week before and we went together so but none of that happened at grand championships everyone was there they brought a serious lineup they were ready to go um sure. And it was a big event as well. I think there were 156 people. Yes, good turnout. Wow, that's so fantastic. Top eight is, is mental. And I've got that Bumblebird mat that I can slap down at any opportunity <laughs> to be like, I, I'm actually good at this game, guys. Right. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the eventual winner is always my favorite person to lose to. Because then I, uh, then you don't have to excuse anything else. Yes. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Gosh. So, Kate, what's next for this deck? Will will this be making a, a repeat appearance, making your opponents quake in fear at the sight of it at future tournaments, or is it going on the shelf of pride for now? I actually, I love playing this deck. The process of playing it is really fun. So as soon as organized play starts up, I'll not take it to chain bound, but probably... Uh, you know, store champs, prime champs, whatever mm. is available, really. I'll be uh, speaking to uh, people in Manchester, Sheffield, Preston, Newcastle about when they're going to run their events and seeing if I can get over there. Awesome. Mm. Give them the old Kavush. Yeah, Kavush them. 
<laughs> Kabushim. Oh, it's such a great name. It's such a great name. I should have called my cat that. <laughs> what? I'll be my next pet name. <laughs> Kavoosh. <laughs> <laughs> I get into the vet's office. Kavoosh. <laughs> Kavoosh, spawn of Aerodent, where are you? <laughs> yes, all good pets need a lot of middle names. So spawn of Aerodent is, is uh, viable, highly viable indeed. Oh gosh, Kate, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on. So thank you. Thank you for, for coming and spending some time with us. Oh, thanks for having me. And I very much hope that we meet in person at some point at an event somewhere after the lockdown and once the world returns to a new normal, let's say. Thank you again to our listeners for joining. You can find the CD-ROM worksheet or fun sheet, as it's probably better titled, under the episode in a link. If you want to track the progress of some of your decks throughout lockdown and see quite how you and the decks grow together. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We're probably most active on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter talking about all things Keyforge. Instagram talking about all things board games. And if you like us and you are willing and able, you can become part of our Patreon family as well uh, by following the link below to Patreon and joining us. You can email us questions, tell us what you liked, tell us what you didn't like, tell us what you had for dinner at discoverkeyforge at gmail.com. But most importantly, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, do them a favor and help them to discover it. Have you answered the call of discovery? cheesy i love it <laughs> okay no that'll do fine um, <laughs> perfect love it love it <laughs> thank you so much kate um <laughs> this has been fun